I saw this message on Facebook. It says, if God asked Jesus to lay down his life, why wouldn't he ask us? And it just went in my spirit. Why, why would we believe that we don't have to lay down our life to the extent that God himself had to lay down his life? We like to, we churchify words so much. You know, we, we say, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm laying down my life. I see folks on Facebook that I know haven't been to church in three months, and they're on there talking about being prayer warriors. <laughs> That's the N word, I think, right now. It must have been in the last few months. I just see everybody, I'm calling my prayer warriors. You don't have prayer warriors. You haven't. I don't think you're saved. You had your last photo was drinking alcohol. You don't have prayer warriors. And so when when I read that, I said, "Yes, if Jesus had to lay down his life, how much more do I have to lay down my life? Because my life, if it's not laid down, it's not worth as much as Jesus's life was." My life's full of sin and ugly. That's what I get to lay down. I get to lay that down. Jesus had life that was worth having, and he chose to lay it down. How much more do I have to lay down my life? How much more? And that means being uncomfortable. Sometimes it means being, sometimes it's not comfortable to lay down our life. And if it's comfortable then it probably means about as much as your Facebook prayer warriors. You didn't lay your your life down right if it was comfortable. So I've been in prayer, and and I've been still on this next generation rising up into our place. And I began to see going to a new level at whatever level you are at is not an easy thing. It can be a very difficult thing, it can, and it can be a little difficult thing, kind of depending on our attitude. But it's not, it's very seldom comfortable. Now, I can have the attitude of, I'm going up to my next level, and I expect it to be uncomfortable. And if it's uncomfortable, then I'm going to embrace being uncomfortable. I'm going to run after something that's uncomfortable. And then before I know it, I'm going to be at my next level. And it was much easier than if I had fought being uncomfortable. That's why it took Israel 40 years of discomfort because they, were, they didn't want to deal with a few days of fighting a battle that they thought was going to be too hard for them. God help us. To not be in that for 40 years. I, I don't, you know, I don't know where we get the idea that the church is here to serve us. Because who is the church? I, I is. I is the church. <laughs> you are. We, we are the church. So who's going to serve us if we all want to be served? The church is here to serve the world. And the church is here to serve Jesus in serving the world. But if we are here to serve, not to be served. 
And I was praying, and I said, you know, <clears throat> at Youth Wednesday night, we were, we were talking, and, and, this, and this kind of an anointing came in on, let's just be honest for a few minutes about what we really believe about God. And I think if we're really honest, one of the things that we have to be honest about is that we love the blessings of God. If I got up and brought a sermon this morning on how God can fill your bank account up full of money and he can heal you and make you happy and wealthy and wonderful, we'd be jumping up and down. But the first thing out of my mouth was lay down your life. Yes. Hallelujah. And we don't, tend to, we don't tend to react the same way to laying down my life as I do about hallelujah. I'm fixing to get money in my pockets. Hallelujah. And God does want to put money in our pockets. Amen. He wants to bring jobs, babies. That anointing came in last week. We'll have lots of babies running around this church. Lots of babies. Amen. Um, you know, you know, the preachers on TV, they pack out buildings for healing services and financial breakthrough seminars. Um, and, and generally if you have an anointing that feeds somebody's needs and feeds their flesh, then you, you can get real popular. But, um, and we love it. We love to hear about all those things, but we don't love to hear about, God wants us to die to ourselves. We don't love to hear about things that make us feel uncomfortable. We don't like to hear about the giving up our life part. You know, if somebody says, we're going to have a financial, I've seen this at many of, not our church, many other churches, they're going to have a financial breakthrough seminar. That church will pack out. People from other churches will come. It'll be like it's revival. But you have a church that says, okay, we're going to fast and pray for 12 hours. I can count on my fingers. I was at church, and when we lived in Hot Springs, we went to a church there quite a bit, and the, and the pastor said, you know, I feel led to start prayer. Church of three, 400 people, big church. They didn't pray, none of them. And he said, I feel led. We have to start praying, or we're going to have problems. We have to start praying. We have to pray over our city. We have to pray over our church. And I said, this is wonderful. I'm going to support this vision. I wasn't even a church member. We just went there sometimes. I said, I'm going to support this vision. And I pulled up. I was so excited. T took off for extra long lunch that day. It's going to stay as long as Holy Ghost wanted me to stay. Pulled up to that church building. I looked around. I said, did it get canceled? There's only one other car here, and it's the pastor's truck. There was only me and the pastor there for prayer that day. Out of a church of three or 400 people. People just don't like, people don't like that stuff. But, but, where do you get all the other stuff? It's when, and when you lay down your life. We love to hear about getting, the, getting blessed. We don't necessarily love to hear about dying to self. And it's because, if we're just honest, I just really like, I like those things. That's why I like to serve Jesus is because I like all those things. In my flesh. But what does it take to get those things? We really like to live for ourselves, if we're honest. We can, and so we love the churchy part of the things that feed us living for ourselves. 
I want to have more money so I can do more things. So I want to hear somebody tell me about how to get more money from God. Um, we like to pick and choose the voices that we hear in those situations. We want to hear a voice that tells us everything's going to be wonderful and you're going to be wealthy. Everything's going to be wonderful and your kids are going to be saved. Everything's going to be wonderful. And we don't want to hear the voice that says, if you want your kids to be saved, lay down your life in prayer. And we don't want to hear the voice that says, if you want to see God move in miracles and signs and wonders in your life, lay down your life in prayer. We don't like to hear that voice. We do. People don't. Amen. We do. <laughs> so we like doing those things and not, but we want to be associated though. We don't want to, that's saying, well, I, want to, I don't want to be associated with all of Jesus. I want to be associated with the part of Jesus who went around healing folks. I want to be associated with the part of Jesus who, you know, went fishing and gold popped out of fish's mouths. I want to be associated with the part of Jesus who, when they were hungry, God just provided food for 5,000 people, 20,000 people. However many people were there, a lot of people. That's the part of Jesus I want to be associated with. But I don't want to be associated with the part of Jesus who had to go and pray in the mountain all night long so that he could come do something like that. I don't want to be associated with the part of Jesus who had to lay down his life and still love the people who still didn't even get his vision quite yet. I don't want to be associated with that part of Jesus, but I really love being associated with this other part of Jesus who tells me that I can have everything that I want. I want to find the part of Jesus that's really all about me and that's not all about Jesus. So why? Why do we do that? And I was praying over this. Why do we, why, how, how have we become, I'm using the general we, I'm not trying to say that anyone here, but why do we, why do we as people, why, why do we become this group who were initially on fire for God and wanted to pray and wanted to have time with God? We, we all receive Jesus like that, most of us, when we receive Jesus. And somewhere along the way, we chose a gospel that fed our flesh instead of our spirit. Somewhere along the way, we wanted to serve a Jesus that we could control and not all of Jesus. We wanted a Jesus that if I give $100 in the offering, I'm going to calculate what the promise of God was. I get 30-fold back on 100 That's I get $3,000 back. That's, what I, that's the Jesus I want to serve. If I pray enough, I'm going to be healed. And, I, and so what I began to see is that we don't really trust God. We don't, here's what we don't trust. We don't trust that if we give up our life, that God will give us our life back. We don't trust that if I give up all of these things that I'm holding on to for God, that he gives all of that back plus some. We only focus on the giving up. 
That's what we focus on. And we don't focus on the promise of the giving up. Now, there are a lot of promises in the Bible, but almost all of them require something to leave us. In order to, if I want to reap, I have to sow. That means I have to get rid of my seed. I have to plant it somewhere in order to reap. If I want a life full of the blessing of God, directed by God, full of the Holy Ghost, that's not my life. My life cannot produce that. So I have to give up my life. We don't like to give up our life. We don't trust that our lives will actually get better if we give up control to him. That's why we want to control Jesus and make Jesus' plans be our plans. I want to go do this. I want to go have this job. Well, God didn't say no. But what did he tell you? We want to ask pastor to hear from God for us, and then when she does, and we don't, we don't want to do that anymore. We decide we didn't like it. We didn't like what God said. I think I want to go do this instead. And then we wonder why it doesn't work out for us. Help us, Jesus. We, for some reason, and it's, just, and it's a lie, and it's a lie that we choose to believe because I can look at people's lives in this church and see the truth. I can look at my pastor's life and see that a life laid down in prayer delivers back to me the answer to every prayer I would have ever wanted to pray. A life laid down in prayer has my kids saved. A life laid down in prayer has me healthy. A life laid down in prayer provides for me financially. I can, I can look at my, my spiritual examples and see that if I do it, I get that back. So what voice do we choose to listen to that is opposite of that? It's the voice that says, if you give up control in this area, you're not going to have your kid. If you, give, if you give up control in this area, you're going to be broke. If you give up control in this area, then you're not going to have, you don't have any job. Maybe God said, don't go off and get a job. Well, I don't see a job in CrossFit. So I'm going to go off and get a job. And so that's, I'm taking, I'm taking my own control. Now, if I make my own way, it's pastor's words, said a long time ago, and, it's, and I say it all the time. If I make my own way, then I, what do I have? I have my own way. I don't have God's way. But if I can give up my life and trust God and truly trust him, truly trust him because if I really trusted him I wouldn't have a problem giving up my life I wouldn't have a problem laying it all down and saying you know look at all the things that I have to do this week and and I also have to spend time with my kids I won't tell my kids I'm, I can't just go pray all the time because my kids need a, a parent they need a mom or a dad at home I can't just go pray all the time because you know I have things at the house that need to get done I, ha I can't just go pray all the time because you know I have to have my date night with my honey here I can't just go pray all the time because what what, what look at all the things I will lose well you don't pray all the time because you have an excuse for seven days out of the week Sometime in there, you can go pray. Sometime in there, and we can't say I can't pray all the time if we don't pray some of the time, right? We have to pray, and we have to lay down our life. And here's what I've, what I've seen in my own life. I've seen it in my pastor's life. I've seen it in lives. 
That is when we lay down our life to that purpose of God, to seek after God, to have nothing but Jesus. That if, that if we embrace the attitude of I'm not satisfied with anything, not satisfied with all the time in the world with my family, not satisfied with all the money in the world from a job that keeps me out of church. I'm not satisfied with all of those things if I can't have Jesus, if I'm going to seek Jesus first. And if I do that, if I, if I will trust God's word and lay down my life and seek him first, then what do I get back? The promise of God is I get anything back that I give up for God. So I don't lose time with my children. Amen? I don't lose that. Maybe if I pray, my time with my children isn't me yelling at them the whole time. Maybe their time is wonderful and fun and good memories that they'll have for their whole life. Maybe. But I know that if, if I can give it up to God, and so we don't want to give up control because we don't get it. We don't understand that how, that's how the kingdom of God works. Well, all we see is time. There's 24 hours in one day, and there's seven days in one week. And if I give up, and I have to give this much time to work, and I have to give this much time to things that have to be done around the house, and I have to give this much time to all these other commitments that I have, and so that leaves me with this many hours, and in those hours I can pray or I can spend time with my kids or I can just sit at the house because I'm tired or whatever. We have our things that we fill up our free time with, right? So what if we upended the whole thing and prayer fits in at the end? That's where prayer fits in. And what if we turn the whole thing around and we did prayer first. Well, just what if we did? What would happen? Now, in our minds, when we're thinking about how why I can't pray, in our minds we think of all the reasons, all the other things that have to be done. But what if we just turned it all the way upside down, and we said, "I'm not gonna." We said, "Our husband or our wife, not spend time with you first right now. I'm gonna go pray." We said to our kids, "Hop in the car, bring some toys and an iPad. We're going to the church." And I don't know how long I'm going to be there. I'm going to pray. And I'm not saying quit your job, but we can work around it. What if we said maybe on Thursdays instead of going to lunch, I bring a, a Lunchable. They're $1.25 at Walmart. And, and I'll go to prayer. For as long as I can be there. Maybe I have to get there 10 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early so I have travel time, you know, what if we did that instead? What if we put prayer first? I know, I know that you get all of that stuff back. You get all of it back. John chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bring forth much fruit. What fruit are we talking about? Matthew 6, it says, If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. He's talking about all the things of life. If I'll die to myself, I'll die to all those things I'm trying to hold on to, all the control where I don't trust God, if I just die to it and I just let it go and I say it is what it is, but I have to have Jesus, have to have Jesus, and I let all that go, then what do I get back? I get back fruit. I get back all the things God said, all the things that we worry about in life, get it all back. Psalms 37.4 says, delight thyself also in the Lord. 
and he shall give you the desires of your heart. The desires of our heart, here's what I see. Desire can be sinful. The basis of most sin is desire. That's the basis of of almost any sin that you can think of. It's desire. What do I desire? And so we go after in the flesh the things that we desire. What are the desires of our heart that we're trying to fit God into? What are the desires of our heart that we truly want more than anything else? And we're trying to go get them and trying to make God fit into our mold. Pastor said this morning in Sunday school, you can't, God's not going to reduce himself down to our reality. But if we delight ourselves, if we're happy to give up our life, if we're happy to give up our life, we delight ourselves in God, and we and that means He's the most important thing to me, and I'm happy, I'm delighted. I delight myself in God. The first thing I'm thinking about, if I'm delighted in God, the first thing I'm thinking about when I wake up in the morning is, oh, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Jesus. It's so good to see you again. The last thing I think about when I go to bed at night is, good night, Jesus. Thank you for being with me all night long. Thank you that you never sleep and you're watching over my whole house. Now I can go to sleep and rest in peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If I delight myself in God, what do I get out of that laying down of my life to where I don't, I don't consciously go out and delight myself in anything else? I only delight myself in Jesus. What do I get back? I get back all the desires of my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So if we hold on to things, what we have to ask ourselves, we just have to be honest, take the mask off and say, if I'm holding on and I'm just not letting go, I'm, if I'm afraid or if I'm, saying to, if I'm saying, Pastor Casey, I hear what you're saying, but I don't have time. I don't have time to lay down my life in prayer. I have all these other things. What I would be afraid, what I would be afraid of is if God tried to relieve you of some of those other things himself after having, you know, God relieved me of my own job. But that was God. That was, but um, we don't want to say we, have, we don't have time. We can't say that because we all have the same amount of time. We all have kids. We all have things. We all have all the things of the world. We all have it. My wife and I have a business meeting every single morning where we go through our calendars and we arrange every piece, every minute of the day so that every kid gets where they're supposed to be and everything gets done. I understand busy. I understand busy. But we can't say I don't have time. What are the things? So if if we're saying I can't do that, what is the thing that's stopping us from doing it? That's what I'm trying to get at. If you say I can't, what is the thing that's stopping you from doing it? And I, what I believe is, is if we really believed Jesus, if we really believed the Word of God that said, if I give everything up, because that's an option, giving it up and going after God, then we'll have everything we need. John 12, there's a person in, um, in the Bible who I believe had a similar problem. 
and and God began to show me some of this, and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go through it really quickly here, so we really understand the spirit behind why we feel this way, because there's a spirit behind it. If there's something else telling us something different than God, that's a lie. There's a spirit behind it. John chapter 12, I'm going to start with verse 4. And we're going to see a person who, dealt, who was with Jesus who couldn't let go of control. He couldn't. He didn't want to. He enjoyed it too much. And he didn't want to just let God have everything. John 12, chapter 4, it says, But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, don't y'all wish I said somebody beside Judas? But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume, so the lady had just poured out, broken the big perfume bottle, poured it all over Jesus' feet, washed his feet. And Judas said, That perfume is worth more than a year's wages. It should have been sold and given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So here's Judas. Judas was around Jesus himself all the time. He knew how to work the Jesus system, as I like to call it, the Jesus system. He did not lay down his life. What Judas did was associate himself with Jesus for all of the earthly blessings that he could have out of it. He got some power. He got a little bit of authority because he's one of the 12 disciples. He got to control a lot of money. And he got to have some money from it too that he took for himself. He used used the blessings that were on Jesus for himself, but he did not lay down his life and pay the price to have it. All the other disciples laid down their life and paid the price to have what Jesus had for them. And so... Judas, operating in his flesh, said, don't let this woman do this. Don't let that woman pour pour out all this for you. Don't operate in prophetic, is what he's saying. I don't want to do that. I don't want to operate in the spirit world where where this is is an an offering that's sweet to Jesus. I want to operate in the natural world where I can get something out of that. I want something from this thing that's being poured out. I want something from this value that looks like it's being wasted. I want something from it. Judas followed the anointing around, and he tried to profit from it. He just wanted the blessing without the work. Matthew 26, and we'll show you exactly where it worked. Matthew 26, 14. Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time on, he started looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you a scripture in a minute where we know that Judas did not actually believe Jesus was going to be killed. Judas had watched Jesus for years and years and years. And he saw, or for you know a few years, three years, he saw how the Jesus system worked. And that was Satan tries to come attack Jesus and Jesus overcomes the devil Every single time. Lame people come up and they get healed and they want to give some money. Whatever tries to come against Jesus gets squashed. The Pharisees have been after Jesus forever. Jesus always avoided them. He'd always trapped them. He always got out of it. He was a miracle worker. And so Judas saw an opportunity for himself. He heard the Pharisees. They said they really want to get Jesus this time. 
He said, I bet they'll pay me a little bit of money. And what's going to happen out of it? Jesus is going to work another miracle, and we'll get a whole bunch more followers paying tithes and offerings. I don't see where this plan can go wrong. He was after the blessing and not the laying down of his life. He knew the Pharisees hated him. He knew no one could ever lay a hand on Jesus. He knew no weapon formed against Jesus prospered. He knew Jesus could command storms and waves and cast out demons, heal people, raise the dead. He knew money popped out of fish's mouths when he needed it. He knew food materialized miraculously. He knew Jesus. He was well acquainted with the blessings and the power of Jesus. And here's the thing about Judas that I saw. He was not an evil person. We paint Judas as an evil person who was always out to portray Jesus. Always, that was in his heart to betray him all the time. He was always, he did it to get Jesus. That's not the story that is told in the Bible. Judas didn't want to get him, get rid of him. He followed him everywhere. Jesus was his money train. Jesus was the source of all his blessings. Everything Judas had came from Jesus. But he still betrayed him because he didn't want to lay down his life for Jesus. He wasn't submitted to praying with Jesus all the time. He didn't want to hear from God and have a personal relationship. He wanted the blessing. He never sought God in prayer. He never drew close to him. We see the other, some other disciples drawing close to Jesus. We never saw Judas draw close to Jesus. Never saw Judas pray with him. He was going to get him some money out of Jesus, though, is what he thought. So the Lord's Supper, they're all sitting around. You know, Jesus said, somebody's going to betray me. He dips the bread. He hands it to Judas, and he says, now go and do whatever it is you're going to do. And so Judas is exposed at that point. But he didn't repent. And I, and I see that sometimes where we've operated in a spirit that's all about myself. And it can even be exposed and we can be told godly counsel about what to do in our situation. We can be told what to do. We can be told and still not repent and go do it. And so we've joined up with a different spirit then. He didn't care that he was exposed. He had made up his mind about one thing. Judas was going to do whatever Judas wanted to do. Matthew 27, 3, it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw he was condemned, he repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What's that to us? And so he went out, he threw the silver down, he went out and he hung himself. So this is where that spirit takes us. If the, and so what spirit am I talking about? I'm talking about the one that says, all I want to hear about is what God can do for me. But I don't want to hear about laying down my life for Jesus. I don't want to hear about laying down my life in prayer. I don't want to hear about what it's going to take for me to have God work in my life. What I want to hear about is I can give him the offering and I can get something from it. What I, hear, what I want to hear about is I can go have somebody lay hands on me and I can fall out. That's what I want to hear about. Help us, Jesus. So Judas realized that his plan didn't work, that this was actually really bad. 
And so then he tried to go back and say, you know, this wasn't what I had in mind. I want to give this back to you. I need to fix it. It's too late. Couldn't fix it. The plan was already in motion. Jesus already betrayed. And I believe, I believe that Judas could have repented right then, run and thrown himself at Jesus' feet and receive forgiveness. But we know when we befriend a spirit, it takes us places we don't want to go. It keeps us there longer when we've given than we want to be. When we've given over to that, we're not in control of that anymore. And so he he didn't see any other any other option. He went out and killed himself. Judas's sin was not having an evil mind to go betray Jesus. Judas's sin was prostituting the anointing of God. Hebrews 10.29 says, Of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, which has counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and done despite unto the Spirit of grace. <coughs> so when we take the blessing of God and not the price of Jesus, if we say, Yes, God made Jesus lay down his life, but he's not requiring that of me, but I still want all the stuff, God. And we begin to operate in that. The Bible says we are trodden Jesus under our feet. He says we may think that we're thought worthy, who has trodden under the foot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant that sanctified us and saved us as something unholy, as something natural and carnal that meets our natural carnal needs. If that's what we look at, then he says, we're in for a bad punishment. We do that when we want blessing without selling out, when we use the promise of God not to be right ourselves. when we use the promises of Jesus as a stepping stool to make our own way into prosperity or health, whatever we're wanting to believe God for. We may want to make our own way. So how do we find time? How do we do it? That's the question that I was praying and asking God. I said, How, what do you want me to tell these people? Because I, ex- I believe we've exposed, if I'm not doing it, it's because I'm not trusting God, and it's because I want my own control over it, and I, w- and I just really want, I want to be able to tell God what blessings I want and not have to give him anything back. I want to be able to come to church, and I want to be a good Christian, I'm not saying we want to be evil. I'm saying I want to be a good Christian, but I don't want anything to be required of me. My generation is one of the worst about it. And that's, and that's why I'm saying this in light of my generation rising up. We don't like to do anything we don't want to do. I think we can probably all say that, but my generation is, is very big on you can't make me do something I don't want to do. Amen, my generation people. We, are, we don't like to do things we don't want to do. Nobody does. But if we want God, and I want God, I want God, and I don't just want the blessings of God. I don't just want blessings. I want God. I want God. I don't I want to, at the end of my life to say that I was used by God. I want to, at the end of my life to be able to look back, have God look back and say, "Well done, 
good and faithful servant. I want to be able to say that I went after God with everything in me. And maybe I missed it sometimes. Maybe I went off in the wrong direction one way or the other. But every time I had an opportunity, I went after God with everything in me. If we sow the seed of our life, we're going to reap a harvest of life in the Holy Spirit. Mark 10, 29 says, Then Peter began to say unto him, Jesus, we've given up everything. We've left everything. We did what you said to do. Lay down our life. Pick up our cross and follow you. We did it. What more do you want out of us, Jesus? We followed you. We laid down everything. And here's what Jesus said. This is our promise. Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children. Leave your, your wife and kids to go pray. You didn't leave them for nothing. Or lands for my sake. Or the gospels. You know, I wanted to live somewhere besides cross it. I left lands for God's sake. For my sake and the gospel. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the world to come, eternal life. So what do I get when I lay down my life? What do I get when I make up my mind? What do I get when I make up my mind that I'm not going to live my life for myself anymore and I'm not going to just keep expecting Jesus to bless me living my life the way I want to live it? I'm not going to expect that out of him anymore. What do I get whenever I say, I'm, I'm done living for myself. I'm laying down my life for you. What do you need, Jesus? What does the church need, Pastor? What do you need? I'll do it. And it doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter how much time it takes me to pray. It doesn't matter what it takes for me to be used by God and to be found worthy of the call that God put on my life. It doesn't matter what it takes for me to be have the honor of doing something to serve Jesus, to pray over our city, to pray over our church, to pray over our pastor. It doesn't matter what it costs me to lay down my life to have it because I have a promise of God that not only do I have an eternal inheritance, I have an eternal inheritance when I lay down my life. But Jesus said, if I give up something in this life, in this life, I'm not giving up time with my kids, then, and it's gone. The time that I give up with my children and my wife, the time that I give up doing stuff around my house isn't gone. It comes back to me 100-fold. Amen? It comes back to me when I give up time and I lay my life down in prayer, when I give up time to say, how can I serve in the ministry of Jesus? How can I serve in the temple of God? How can I serve in the house of God? When I give up my time in prayer and in service, not one minute, not one dime that I spend on it for myself, not one minute does not come back to me a hundredfold. That was the revelation that Judas didn't get. He just wanted to see what can I squeeze, what can I manipulate, what can I weasel out of the blessings of God without giving my life. But how much would Judas have had if he had laid down his life? He was the apostle of finance. He was the treasurer. What did the kingdom of God lose when Judas decided to to miss God over it and not lay down his life? Oh, my God, but if we, if we can see the truth 
And the truth is, I don't lose a thing when I lay down my life for Jesus. I gain, I gain a hundredfold back. When we have prayer, young adults, I'm, I know what it's like with, with having all the little kids at home and all the money you got to make and everything. I know how, how time-constrained we can be. But we should run to an opportunity to pray. Run to an opportunity to pray. Run to an opportunity to lay down our life for God because I can have the 20 minutes with my kid that's the, because we all, we're just, we have so many things to do. We're distracted. How many of us have spent 20 undistracted minutes with our children in the last week? I don't even think I can raise my hand because I say, okay, let's play these little toys. But while I'm acting like I'm playing toys, I'm cleaning up his room. We, that's how we do. That's not quality time, but it, so how much quality time do I have with my children? If I give up that, I get it back a hundredfold. That's the time I want back. I don't want the time where I'm distracted trying to clean up something and make something else happen, and my kids are just sort of there halfway, halfway having my attention. I don't want that time back. Who's ready to lay down your life? Let's all just stand up. Oh, God, let's lift our hands and say, Father, we surrender.